Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Nature is a dangerous place. On Monsters Inside Me, the podcast, listen to the life or death experiences of people who have survived animal attacks, natural disasters, and deadly parasites alike. Featuring audio from Discovery Channel, Science Channel, and Animal Planet, from hit shows like This Came Out of Me, Nature's Deadliest, Still Alive, and I Was Prey. Listen to Monsters Inside Me wherever you get your podcasts. Brian Kletcher disappeared on December 27th, 2017. I would call him at different times of the day. One time I woke up in the middle of the night and tried to call him. And then I got really worried. I knew something horrible had happened to Brian. His family is desperate for answers. My first gut reaction was that he just ran away, that he needed to just be by himself, but he would never have left his cats. That really scared me. It's just been difficult. How could he not be here? This episode of Disappeared retraces Brian's last known steps. Brian's ex-boyfriend, AJ, said that Brian was somewhat obsessed with him and very upset because AJ has moved on to a new relationship. There is a very uncomfortable, very palatable amount of tension in the house. So you had this very crazy triangle of drama, like a flame on a gasoline, it was, it was pretty bad. The more people who know Brian's story, the greater the chance of bringing him home. Share on social media. Get the word out. Help find him. Have you seen Brian Kletcher? I'm Kathy. Brian Kletcher is my son. December 26, 2017 was the last time I heard from him. Brian is kind, very giving, just a really nice person. Brian always liked people. I don't know if it was because he was an only child, but I can remember waking him up for school and telling him if he didn't get up, he would miss school and miss all the other kids there. And that worked. I'm Nate and I am Brian's good friend. I met Brian in about 2014. We actually met at a gay bar that I was working at. Brian had a childlike innocence about him that really struck a chord with me. Our personalities just clicked. We became really close really quick. He liked to uh, go on adventures and stuff. One time we got to go to Oklahoma City. It was snowing and Brian was like, what are you doing right now? Do you have anywhere to go? And I was like, no. And he's like, we're going to go sledding. It was my first time ever sledding. That was a lot of fun. Just we. That's one of my favorite memories of him. 
I definitely feel blessed that Brian came into my life. I used to have a really bad drinking problem. I was almost at rock bottom, and he was the first person to get it through my head that I might have a drinking problem. And we went and checked out rehab places. He knew that I wanted to quit as much as he wanted me to quit. One time I went down to visit him and he took me to the beach for the first time. And we got to swim around and play in the water, which I'd never got to do before. And he got to meet the sober Nate. It was very special. Since Brian was little, he's always loved Christmas. When Brian was grown, he told me he'd rather have money for Christmas. So I would, instead of me buying him stuff, so I'd just send him um, transfer money to his bank account. On December 26, in 2017, he texted me and asked me if I sent him a Christmas present. And so I called him and I said, um, yeah, I sent on the 24th. It should be in your bank account, if not today, tomorrow. He said, thank you. And he said, I'm in a hurry, Mom. I have to go and I'll call you back later. But I didn't hear back from him. My name is Andrew Dowler and I was Brian Kletch's roommate. I first met Brian around December 15th, 2017. I owned a house, had a room for rent, and a roommate, AJ, said he knew a guy named Brian, needed a place to stay, vouched for him. I said, sure, no problem. When I first met him, he uh, seemed very shy, very soft-spoken. When you see him, you just want to give him a hug. I just can't describe it any other way. You know, he's got the two cats, he loved his cats. He referred to them as, as fur babies. He was a very private person, especially about him being gay. Definitely very low-key. If you saw him on the street, you would not know he was gay. The dynamic between AJ and Brian was very confusing. I have no idea exactly when they met or how long they've known each other, but they both used the term boyfriends at, at a different time, but AJ was far more guarded with that term. The time that Brian moved in, it was very hectic. I have a full-time job. Brian had his job. I didn't get to see him a lot. So on December 22nd, 2017, 7.47 a.m., I left the house to go on vacation. The last sight I had of Brian was leaving the hallway from my bedroom, that his door was wide open. I just remember him lying there. His two cats were curled up with him, and uh, that was the last time I saw him. When I first didn't hear from Brian, I thought, hmm, I wonder why my kid is ignoring me. Maybe he's really busy. Brian had told me he had found brand new roommates, but I didn't know where Brian was currently living. I didn't get the address. I knew he was working. Brian loved theme parks. He worked at one in high school, and then recently worked at one in Orlando as a bus driver. And also, after he got off work, he would work as an Uber driver for extra money. Sometimes he would call me, you know, like every three days, and sometimes it might be six months. I just thought he must be busy. When I came back from my vacation, 
he wasn't at the house. I'm just assuming I'm, I'm gonna see him at some point or whatnot. But a couple days did go by and uh, Brian's not there. As time goes on, I realize, hey, wait a second, his cats are still there. So where's Brian? I was very worried for him. I did not have his phone number. When I didn't hear from Brian, I would call him at different times of the day. One time I woke up in the middle of the night and tried to call him. You know, I thought maybe he might wake up and pick up the phone. I texted him, I emailed him, and no response. I started to call his work probably, I would say, eight to ten times and talk to their security office. They told me they would get back with me. No one ever got back with me. So finally, I went up to his work, and I didn't really get a response either. I started driving around in the state of Florida looking for my son, and I couldn't find him. It was really hard. And then I got really worried. It was just a, a horrible panic mode. I knew something horrible had happened to Brian. Me and him hadn't talked for uh, about a month, and I was nervous because he wasn't answering the phone or anything like that. I thought he had gotten tangled up with a boy. And then finally his mom contacted me and said, Brian's been missing. Instantly I hung up and tried calling Brian again, and um, it just went straight to voicemail. That really scared me. In March of 2018, I made a local police report they told me to take it to Tampa police, but Tampa police told me it really wasn't their responsibility because he lived in Polk County. It was really frustrating to me that nobody would investigate because they told me it was somebody else's jurisdiction and it wasn't their responsibility. The Tampa police detective that I talked to told me he would try to call someone he knew at the state police. My name is Chuck Masucci. I'm with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. I was assigned as the lead agent in the disappearance of Brian Kletcher. FDLE, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, is a state police agency. We are the investigative branch of the state police. In March of 2018, Chuck came to my house. I want her to meet me face to face. I want her to know who's going to be responsible for moving this investigation forward. I had many questions going through my head. She wanted to know what happened to Brian and where is he. The cats being left behind was suspicious. His mother felt that Brian would not have left his cats behind if he had left on his own volition. I could see her concern. Brian's mother loved her son when a parent loses a child. It's one of the worst tragedies we can experience. But Brian's mother in particular is in a position where she's lost a child and doesn't have a resolution. It's heartbreaking. I remember he did tell me the hardest part is just not knowing where your child is. I recognized that this was gonna be a difficult investigation from the get-go. Brian's disappearance was problematic because we didn't have a good handle where specifically he went missing from. 
I made a flyer to let people know that my son was missing and if they have any information, to contact the police. The next thing I do is set up a Facebook page and message some of his friends and let them know that Brian is missing and have they had contact with him. And many people had contacted me back and said no. My name is Ryan Williams Gent, and I'm the managing editor for Watermark. Watermark is the LGBTQ news source for Central Florida and Tampa Bay. We basically just highlight LGBTQ voices throughout the area. Brian's disappearance did not seem to get much traction in the press. So we wanted to cover the story. I really wanted to help spread the word. I went on a lot of the dating apps, and I just started sending the missing poster to people. Most places, the gay community is really close-knit, and so I was really hoping that somebody would have seen that and known what happened, but I hadn't got any leads. That really frustrated me. I felt like there wasn't enough that I could do. Finally, in April of 2018, I get a lead that helped in this investigation. I learn that on the 27th of December, the last withdrawal was made from Brian's credit union account. To verify that it was Brian that made the withdrawal, I contact the bank and they provide me still pictures from a surveillance video it shows Brian driving his Jeep, and it shows Brian walking into the bank. I saw the video when he was in the bank. It just looked like he was normally there to do a withdrawal. I didn't see anything out of ordinary about it. I learned that $200 had been withdrawn, and he did not appear to be under any duress as he walked in and exited the bank. It was $200 I had sent him for Christmas that he took out of the bank. That is the last time that he has been recorded or seen. I just thought, this doesn't make sense. Where is my son? Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Nature is a dangerous place. On Monsters Inside Me, the podcast, listen to the life or death experiences of people who have survived animal attacks, natural disasters, and deadly parasites alike. Featuring audio from Discovery Channel, Science Channel, and Animal Planet, from hit shows like This Came Out of Me, Nature's Deadliest, Still Alive, and I Was Prey. Listen to Monsters Inside Me wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one best-selling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for your year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like, are you an overbuyer or an underbuyer, a morning person or a night person, abundance lover or simplicity lover? And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. I last see Brian before Christmas, and then he just falls off the face of the earth. There's just this malaise of, of not knowing. And then AJ leaves weeks later. I didn't see Brian when I returned home from Christmas, but I did see in my inbox, he had read me this email. He was expressing his hesitancy about if he's gonna be able to stay there. With the whole dynamic, I can understand why he would not want to stay here. So him leaving kind of fit in partially with the story of like, well, maybe he did just disappear. The email just was weird. It just didn't sound like Brian. Brian had masters in reading and literature. The email, it just wasn't the style of his writing. It just wasn't Brian's words. It wasn't his spelling. I do believe the email wasn't sent by Brian. So my starting point was Brian's house. I would generalize the neighborhood as being uh, working class. The neighbors seem to watch for vehicles that shouldn't be there. It is a safe neighborhood if you belong there and you're known to be there. From my reporting on Brian's disappearance, I was able to determine that Brian had moved into a residence uh, in Lakeland 12 days prior to his going missing, which I understood to be sort of a communal residence. That is not uncommon for members of the LGBTQ community. Florida is increasingly expensive. We're also a state where many folks from many states come to live, sometimes without any family because that family doesn't accept them in the community or because they just wanted a change. I myself am from Ohio, and when I moved here, I was in a communal situation with friends. I identify Andrew Dollar as the owner of the home through property records. I find him at his place of employment. When I first hear, hey, can you come down to HR? The police are here to see you. I immediately know in my head, it's for, it's something with Ryan Kletcha. I'm either gonna find out he died somewhere, I'm gonna get the news, oh my gosh. And I'm like, my heart's beating, I'm like, oh, what happened, what happened, what happened? I come to find out they don't know where he is. 
I'll say this about Andrew. He was cooperative and I would say forthright from the beginning of our conversation. After talking to Andrew, I learned that Brian was introverted, spent a majority of his time in his room. I wanted to understand the timeline of when Brian moved into the house. I learned that when Brian moved in, the relationship that he had had with AJ has ended, at least in AJ's mind. To complicate Brian's situation, AJ has moved on to a new relationship. AJ tells me he has a second friend, Dylan. It's an emergency, he needs a place to stay. And seeing how, how great Brian was working out, I agreed, but come to find out, AJ likes Dylan like a lot. So you've got Brian in one room, you've got Dylan in another, and AJ in another room. And since he likes Dylan, there's a very uncomfortable, very palatable amount of tension in the house between AJ's attention going to Dylan, Brian getting jealous. So you had this very crazy triangle of drama that uh, erupted that I never saw coming and throwing flame on a gasoline, it was, it was pretty bad. I learned that Brian is very distressed and very upset about the breakup with AJ and AJ's current relationship with the other roommate. In my opinion, AJ is somebody that took advantage of Brian and treated him badly. I know that I received several phone calls from Brian upset. He would tell me AJ did this, AJ did that. Brian's emoting and brooding and pacing and worrying. And I'm like, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? You're such a good guy. I could see the spiral. I could see, oh, this is not good. There was one time, I, I remember he laid against the wall of one room and it was almost like he'd have his ear to the wall so he could try to listen to what's going on in Dylan's room. I just remember his face was so sad. I was very worried for him. Suicide did cross my mind as he had a suicide attempt at my house. I found him in his closet. He had taken a lot of pills. I had to be the one to call 911 and we got him to the hospital. It was really scary. Suicide, it certainly is a concern for members of the LGBTQ community. Many members do struggle with mental health because of a lack of acceptance. The Trevor Project, which is the nation's largest LGBTQ-focused organization that deals with suicide, they found in one of their larger studies that 45% of LGBTQ youth had considered suicide in that last year. But in Brian's case, I don't feel that he would do it in a way where we wouldn't find his body. So the fact that we haven't found one leads me to think that it wasn't suicide. It's not something that would be ruled out necessarily, but our reporting didn't find any indication that that would, would have been the case with Brian. My first gut reaction was that he just ran away, that he needed to just be by himself, but he would never have left his cats. His cats were his prized possession. And so when I found out that he didn't take his cats, 
that really scared me. During my interviews, I'm hearing a variety of explanations as to what happened to Brian. Specifically, AJ had told one friend that Brian went out for a walk and never returned. He told another roommate that Brian returned to his family. He told a second roommate that Brian went to a uh, campground that caters to the gay community. Sawmill Campground, it's definitely an LGBTQ hotspot in Florida. They have cabins, people bring their RVs, there are multiple bars. So a lot of LGBTQ people will visit to stay for a day, a week, you know, longer. I was well aware of Brian's interest in going to Sawmill because they have huge parties that are epic. He was looking forward to letting loose. And I was both a little happy and a little worried at the same time about that. I follow up on all of the leads as possibilities. We send agents out to the campground. We canvass the neighborhood and the area beyond the neighborhood looking for video and or witnesses that could have seen him. None of that panned out. None of those stories were provably true. So sometime in late January, I feel concerned. So I want to email Brian. That's my only means of communication with him. But he's not responding to his emails. And I'm like, where is Brian? To complicate matters, AJ appears to be renting out Brian's car to other people. I'm seeing people come to the house, the keys being handed over, money handed over, and that is, that is unacceptable no matter how you slice it. And then I ask AJ, you must know something, what's going on? Have you talked to him? Has he responded to you? He's not responding to me. He's like, man, he hasn't, he hasn't responded. Kind of a little cold, he goes, but I'm, I know not to worry. He does this all the time. He disappears. He just seems so uh, just detached. Like, oh, it's all cool. I, I'm very frustrated. There's a point where I shove AJ against the wall. And I'm like, where is Brian? There's a moment I, I could see it. he looked at me with his eyes, and I, uh, I was instantly scared. I just didn't see that side of him before, so that got all the bells and whistles going. Very shortly after January 15th of 2018, AJ has a friend come pick him up, and I haven't seen him since. On April 4th, Andrew's very cooperative with me, and he agrees to give me consent to search his home. The house is a relatively small single-family home with three bedrooms. Andrew directs me to the room where Brian was staying in. And when I go to the door, my first observation is there is no door. It's been kicked in, and a sheet is hanging over it. If a door gets kicked in or removed, you can suppose potential violence. When I look past the curtain, there is furniture, clothing, debris just piled up in there. I was shocked at how poorly maintained the room was. I use this chemical called Blue Star, and the Blue Star shows multiple locations where there was potentially blood. 
there was at least seven, if not ten, locations within the room that someone had a bloodshed. Polk County Crime Lab and myself gathered the DNA by using swabs. FDLE took possession of this swab evidence and turned it over to the FDLE Crime Lab for analysis. I was a little surprised and disheartened at the results. I learned that Brian was not the only person that had lived in that room in the weeks and months prior to his disappearance. Andrew allowed multiple individuals to stay in that room, some permanently, some very temporarily a night or two. Based on the amount of people that stayed there, based on the activities that occurred, our swabs picked up three to five contributors, and those are not able to be analyzed. A profile cannot be created. And with that many biological contributors, the data was undeterminable. Next, we checked the park's vacant land around his house. In the event, Brian wandered off and something happened to him. We started by searching the local waters around Brian's home. We sent the boats out and we checked the shorelines by foot. We began to look at parks and open fields. None of the searches that we did revealed Brian's location or provided us any other further leads into his whereabouts. To our knowledge, FDLE was able to extensively search areas where Brian may have been. But they were unsuccessful, and the search for Brian continues. At this point, I want to find out as much as I can about AJ and conduct the first interview to allow AJ to give me an accounting of his relationship with Brian. I was curious on who this AJ was and what was he doing with my son's vehicle and why was he lending it to people. It is my opinion, AJ knows where Brian is at. I had this media page set up by Lost and Missing, a nonprofit that helps families and gives them advice for looking for missing family members or loved ones. And I used it to contact all of Brian's friends on his social media pages because I didn't know all of his friends. I did get some tips back from people. Brian's coworker had sent me a picture of AJ. I put his picture on the flyer, and this is the picture that she had sent me. From the very beginning, AJ was on our radar. We weren't able to verify much when it came to AJ. I do know that there was somewhat of a criminal history I do know that there were implications via social media that he was involved with Brian's disappearance, but we weren't able to verify much information. Certainly, from our reporting, there wasn't much to go on there. I had a difficult time locating AJ. He doesn't have any vehicles registered in his name. He doesn't have any home addresses of record. He doesn't have any work employment. So I had to rely on witnesses from this case coming forward and identifying where he may be living. I also had to track down some of his relatives who may have been putting him up. Locating AJ 
has become, at this stage, my highest priority. Brian Kletcha was last seen December 27, 2017. If you have any information, please contact Crime Stoppers of Tampa Bay at 1-800-873-8477. My first contact with AJ doesn't occur until the end of June. I encountered AJ in the city of Tampa. AJ invites me into his home. He's very personable. He's very soft-spoken. I believe that AJ had a lot of casual relationships with different men in the gay community. I wouldn't identify him as a significant drug dealer, but I believe that he did dabble or peddle in it. Drugs were always at the house at that time. AJ was a supplier. He made it very clear when he was going to pick stuff up, when he was delivering. There are many folks in the LGBTQ community who do struggle with addiction, who do struggle with drug use. For years and years and years, the only place that many members of the LGBTQ community could be themselves were in bars, in nightclubs, places where drug use, alcohol use may be more prevalent. And that's certainly not to say <laughs> that all members of the LGBTQ community are doing that, but it can be an issue. I know that Brian was involved with people that were doing drugs but I don't want people thinking that he was on drugs. He was very adamant about not liking drugs and he hated addiction. That's one of the reasons I was shocked to find out he was putting up with somebody who was on drugs. But I think he was trying to fix them. The priority of this interview with AJ is to allow AJ to give me an accounting of his relationship with Brian and the actions and activities of Brian around Christmas 2017. AJ describes his relationship with Brian as unbalanced. Specifically, Brian wanted a monogamous, committed relationship, and AJ was not comfortable with that. And that was the conflict between them. AJ told me that on a specific morning, right after December 27th, that the two of them had been arguing and the two of them had been the only two at home and that Brian left on his own volition and that was the last time he saw Brian alive. In my opinion, AJ, he was not treating Brian right. Brian would tell me that AJ had taken money out of his wallet and stuff, and we wouldn't really understand it because Brian is the type of person, if you just ask him for money, he would give it to you. What really made, uh, made it hit home is when I found out about AJ giving away Brian's car. That scared me when I found that out. My understanding is that AJ was found with some of Brian's belongings. It certainly raises a lot of questions. There's a lot of social media chatter about AJ, but, you know, I, I was never able to verify what those sources were. And there was really nothing that we could securely report on. During my interview with AJ, when I went to discuss him taking possession of Brian's property, AJ stated 
Brian would want him to use those things. Their relationship allowed for that. There was no need for overt confirmation, authorization. It was just an understood between them. But he never makes any admissions that he committed theft or that he had anything to do with the disappearance of Brian. But I felt like there were certain situations in this case that I felt were untruthful. I never call a person a liar until I catch him in a lie. I did confront AJ with those points. The specification I prefer not to talk about at this point because we're dealing with an open investigation. But I can say this, that AJ did not put my mind to rest. It adds to more suspicion as to his behavior. But until Brian is located, alive or dead, I cannot eliminate the possibility of him being out there on his own volition. So I don't want to throw too much accusation or dispersion until I rule that out. How do you rule out the fact that he's out there alive and well? You find the body. So after Brian had been missing for around a year, the reward went up. So it went from $5,000 to $10,000. If anyone has any information about what happened, you're asked to call Crime Stoppers of Tampa Bay. They are offering that $10,000 reward. Around April of 2019, I started receiving a series of tips that all seemed unconnected. The first calls that came in to FDLE, individuals wanted to remain anonymous. Then I started receiving the formal Crime Stopper tips. The tips indicated that Brian had been killed and or Brian was buried under concrete. I probably conducted 12 to 15 interviews related to these tips, and it led me to two searches of two different properties using cadaver dogs. Cadaver dogs are trained to pick up on the scent of human enzymes or human proteins. They are an effective tool for law enforcement when you believe a body has been dumped and or buried. After completing the search, we came up with absolutely nothing. It's frustrating. None of the leads, none of the tips I've received have really come to any fruition. I would repost on Facebook explaining, hey, you know, help us out here. The amount of rumors are, were just, I was drowning in false information because People were popping off about things that they clearly didn't know anything about. I'm like, th those types of things are interfering with the real investigation. Let's, uh, let's get back to where's Brian Kletcha. As recently as September of 2021, we were notified by the Lucia County that they were looking at some unidentified remains. FDLE has a flag on O'Brien. Anytime a body is located or recovered in the state of Florida or the United States for that matter, we receive a notification that the body was recovered and we look for similar details. Sometime in the middle of 2021, 
the police send me a confidential file at the time that a body's been discovered in a park. It matches basically Brian's description. Although the body was badly decomposed, the basic dimensions of the height, it was male, possibly Caucasian, they all seem to match. And also the time frame of when the body was discovered matches a window of when he went missing. DNA testing takes a long time, apparently. So they asked if I could identify the clothing. So Agent Masucci sends me pictures of clothing. And the clothes were the same brand that Brian was known to have in his closet. So in my heart, I, I felt like, oh, they found Brian. Probably over the last four years, I spent thousands of hours, you know, doing research and looking for Brian online or information. I was very frustrated. I was very angry. Where's my kid? It's hard because it seems like in Florida, there's always bodies being found. And you don't want to get your hopes up because you don't want to believe that he's gone. But on the same point, you want closure. Once you get to this point of an investigation, you're almost in a waiting position. You're waiting for things to come to you. And I will say this, that Brian's mother has gone above and beyond to keep this case in the media, specifically social media. She's done a lot. My hope is that if I continue to send out these flyers, it will get somebody's reaction. They will remember Brian's face, maybe see him call the police and he will be found. So Brian has been missing for five years almost. Brian's story may not have gotten a lot of coverage for a number of reasons. It could have been that he was a member of the LGBTQ community. It could have been his socioeconomic status. I think that knowledge is power. It's why I do what I do. It is always better have more eyes and more ears on every story. It helps lead to answers, and answers can bring closure. Myself and FDLE are almost five years into this investigation. It's been difficult, it's been frustrating, but not nearly as difficult, frustrating, and painful as it has been for Brian's mother. She doesn't have a resolution, doesn't have I don't really like the word, but let's use the word closure. If Brian is out there, we would encourage him to come in. If someone is aware of Brian's presence, we would encourage them to come forward. If something bad happened to Brian, suicide or homicide, we would encourage anybody with knowledge to close the investigation, to bring some closure to the mother, just do the right thing. It's just been difficult. When you're your own kid, when you're trying to, you just think, how could he not be here? I do believe that some kind of harm came to him, even though I wish and I pray and I hope that it didn't, that I am so wrong. My opinion is AJ knows what happened to my son. About a year ago, I learned that AJ had moved to Puerto Rico. It infuriates me that AJ is just living scot-free right now in Puerto Rico. 
I feel that he knows something and that he needs to be brought to justice. Even if he didn't do anything to Brian, I feel like he knows where Brian is. I'm still holding out hope. I I don't want to grieve yet. I, I, I want to just hope that he ran away because I don't want to admit that anything worse could have happened. It's an emotional roller coaster every time you hear anything like that. I do hold out hope that Brian is somewhere and safe and healthy and happy, but it's hope. It isn't based on evidence. I definitely feel like we're at a dead end and somebody out there knows something. If I could ask the viewers one thing, I would really like them to be on the lookout for Brian and that if they know something to please come forward. I would really like to see him safe again. We want to bring Brian home. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Nickelodeon was kid everything. But that marked one of the darkest chapters. Three predators worked at Nickelodeon. It made me wonder who was being hurt. Quiet on set. An ID true crime event. Sunday, March 17th at 9 on ID and stream on Max.